0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Slick Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Langford. The point of this show is to help improve ourselves as dogmen and to raise the quality of the dogs on the end of our lead. So let's settle in, turn the volume up, and let's see if we can't learn a trick or two together from our guests. (coughs)
1: me living so close to the mississippi river a lot of the a lot of the big farms that i hunt uh, are are up and down the river a lot some of it are uh, behind the levee, what we call behind the levee which is it's the portion of the the river that's between the mississippi river levee and the arkansas side of the mississippi river the levee Um, and there's a club that back when i was a kid There's a big lake called Lakeview and it was all, it was public hunting. It was a paid lake. You you paid, you went and hunted and, and, um, it was good fishing. And when the one year, the river flooded so bad, this, this lake had a, led to another lake that shoot led to another lake and then into the river, the river flooded and all these Asian carp got into the lakes and it just ruined the fishing and they were losing money. Um, so, some big hunting club came in and bought all of it. It's 10,000 acres right there. And and, and every February they call me and I go up there for, they give me two nights uh, in February. Now this is a, this is one of those big money, you know, buy-in type clubs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their clubhouse has uh, an 11 car parking garage on the bottom floor. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes, it is. It's an amazing place. So they let me come in and most of the time we have to hunt out of a boat. Um, and this particular night uh, the water was out of the banks of the river so out of 10,000 acres about 6,000 of it was flooded underwater um, so what we done we, we launched the boat at one of their boat ramps and we rode about it, it was about five miles um, winding through to get to where we could um, get to where we could turn the dogs loose and and I had Crockett at this time he was probably uh, four between you know probably between four and five year old and i i had chrome she was probably a six year old um and and i had kind of quit hunting chrome at night so much and was hunting her a lot during the day and crockett was just had been my primary coon dog and uh so uh a, a buddy of mine his dad and then another buddy of mine that had a bigger boat than i did um we all went uh, so we, we we hit the boat launch probably, best I remember, about 8.15 at night, By the time we went to the clubhouse and talked to the guys, and they kind of give us an overview of, you know, where the dry ground was at. And what we would do was we would go down the edges, uh, the edge of this lake, and, and when we'd get to the chutes on either side of the of the chute would be, I mean, it would be 100 acres of, I mean, 100 yards of dry on both sides and And we would turn Crockett, we would just pull up there and turn Crockett loose and send him down you know either either the dry. Um, he couldn't get out of pocket real bad because he just wouldn't know where to go with all the water and, and the water was beginning to recede and and it was the most unbelievable night of hunting that i I, I think I've had as far as things that we've seen that night I, because this place was so big and so flooded. We were watching deer coming off the levees, swimming across the lakes in front of us, going back to, you know, going back to their home. You could see coons literally coming out of trees, swimming as far as they could, go up another tree, rest. I mean, it was it was just crazy. People don't even believe some of the stories about that night. But so we, we, we turned the dog uh, uh we would put Chrome on one side and Crockett on the other, and, and Crockett was one of those dogs that just, he just made coons. I mean, he was a coon treer. Um Big mouth, big locate. Uh, he would roll a big ball locate over into a chop, and uh, he was so accurate. When he treed, you pretty much shot a coon most every time, and, and anyway, this night, man, it was just, I mean, it was just, he was treeing coon after coon after coon, and we would, we would tree, you know, four or five, and then the guy in the boat would kind of ease down the chute, pick us up. Um, you know, we'd go down a little bit, maybe hit one of the other lakes, go around the edge of that lake. Just but I can remember several trees where uh, Cromer and Crockett would be standing on the bow of the boat, and we would just be easing because it was just big cypress breaks. And we'd be easing from one side to the next, navigating to the cypress. And, and, and Crockett would, would stiffen up on the front of the boat, just let out a big locate and we would stop and we would grab limbs of these trees to hold us steady and, and start looking up and there'd be a coon laid up above us. And we'd, we'd shoot it out, get a dip net, we'd dip it over in the boat and just, just, we just keep easing down these shoots. And uh, we tree probably, he probably treed four or five at night from the boat that he never even got on, on dirt. Um, and, and, and if it, you know, if it was a double, we shot a double out, but, um, and all in all, we, we, we hit the boat ramp as the duck hunters, uh, they were coming out to, to I guess it was time to get all the decoys out. It was like the, the weekend after duck season was over and they were out clear and blind. So it was, it was breaking day when the duck hunters were heading out to, you know, get all their stuff out. We were coming in and we looked at a total of 40 coons that night and we knocked out 23 of them. It, it, it was crazy. It was amazing.
0: A lot of people consider that a good season. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i think we I, I think i killed uh like i said i didn't hunt then i wasn't hunting chrome a lot at night um you know just if we were going on like something like this where i knew we were going to be there for six seven eight hours and i would need a fresh dog to rotate uh, i was primarily hunting crockett and, and i've hunt my big Sioux dog some she was just older she was 10 um but i think we killed around 180 maybe 190 coon that year with crockett Really? You can kill all you want here. You kill one coon, 10 come to, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I catch slack all the time on that, on Facebook because, you know, oh, there's no need in killing, you know, sometimes we'll kill 15 or 16 coon a night. And, and uh, I mean, you know, I go on some of these big private farms. That's the deal. You know, if they catch me out there, tree and coon, not shooting them, they're going to call somebody else. They're going to have somebody come poison them or they're going to have somebody come trap them out. And I don't, I don't want to be able to take my dogs in there and free. So we just, we just shoot all we want. What sounds that like me? fun. And when when you, when I had a dog like Crockett, that would just, man, we would hunt him in the pouring rain. I mean, winds, I mean, it's summertime. It just didn't matter. I ain't saying that he looked great all the time because there were times in the summertime it'd be hot and dry a hundred degrees. And you know, I mean, he would look good out of the gate and he would slow down and, but he always seemed to produce a coon. Uh, you know, I, I hunted mostly with hounds. You know, my, my buddies with hounds, and and even nights that that all the dogs would be struggling, you know, they would say, "All right, get Crockett out one more time." You know, we we're not going home with nothing, and it seemed like, you know, bottom of the ninth, last inning, you know, you'd get Crockett
0: out of the truck, and he'd just make it happen you are listening to slick tree podcast and this is the second episode of the good old dog series and tonight we have jeremy garner joining us on the phone and we're talking about his dog cane creek croc how you doing not jeremy um excellent had a good day Had a good
1: weekend sitting here having a little drink good times
0: yeah we all know how picky you are when it comes to dogs anybody that follows you anyways uh you go through them pretty quick if they don't suit you. Uh, what what is it that, that you just love so much about Crockett? What was it that just he had that most of them don't?
1: Well, honestly, to start out with, Crockett was was essentially he was a coal. Uh, by the time I found him, he had already had he already been to three different three different you know folks. Um. Jeremy McQuery up in Kentucky. He's a he's a game ward in Kentucky. Uh, he ended up with him there at the end, and and he called me and Crockett just opened on the ground too much for him for squirrel, and uh, I ended up trading a uh, I was that I was looking for something off of uh, Tim Coke's tank dog, and uh, I got word that you know Jeremy had something, so I left him a message. He called me back and, and we made a deal. I traded him a shotgun. Uh, me and my wife drove up and got Trocket, And when I got up there, he just – I mean, what I like in the dog, for one, the size. He he had the size I like. He had that big, broad, wide head. He had the mud flaps. Um, I mean, he, he had the paint job. You know, he was uh, – uh, Brenda was black black, you know, saddleback. <clears throat> um, and when we got him home – he had just been, he'd been through the ringer, you know? So my wife brought him in the house for a month. And and at first I, I thought, man, you know, maybe I done made a mistake because he'd never really treated coon when I got him. He just treated a few squirrels. Um, <clears throat> my wife brought him in the house for a month and, and wouldn't even let me take him hunting. I didn't really do nothing with him for the first month we had him. She brought him in and just loved on him and petted on him and let him lay around the couch. And, and, uh, the first time I took him to the woods and I, like you said, I'm, I'm extremely particular about a dog. A dog has to show me something really quick. Um, I know what I'm wanting in the dog and I know they're out there. And if I don't see it, I don't waste my time with it. I don't, you know, I'm moving on and I, I I just look for those natural starting dogs. The ones that all you have to do is take them to the woods. If you've got to do a lot of work with them, that's not what I'm looking for. And, and I mean, The first time I took Crockett to the woods, he he didn't act like a dog that had not been fooled with or didn't like – know, he spent spent probably 10 months of his life in the kennel, didn't even have a name um, before Jeremy got him. Um, And uh, anyway, he just took to hunting. He didn't stand around my feet. You know, a lot of dogs – you get a dog at at 11, 12 months old that's not been much done to it. It's pretty much like hunting a pup, you know, especially if they've been – passed around um a lot of them you know they don't want to hunt they want to stand around your feet you got to walk them and i don't i don't walk a dog Uh, and crockett didn't do that i mean he just he just now he he wasn't a super deep hunting dog he was maybe you know five six eight hundred yards at the the most but from the get-go he wanted to go hunt and he wanted to please and you didn't really have to get on to him for much, you could just you could kind of browbeat him. You could you could look at him and raise your eyebrows, and he knew you know that's not what you want. That's not what he's wanting of me. So the right off the bat, he had something to like. He had the want to. What I, I some people call it drive or prey drive or game drive or whatever. I just call it want to. He he had the want to to go hunt without me asking him to. You unsnap him, he went looking for something, and I started him. I started him on squirrel. The first the first time I heard that dog really come treat on a hot squirrel, it, it it man, I mean, huge big old ball locate. I mean long drawn out ball located, just rolled right over to a chop. Very, very hard to find in a cur dog these days. Uh, even even then, um I'm trying to think I was trying to think what year that was, but I mean even then it, it was, you know, starting to get hard to find those type dogs, but he just progressed so fast from from nothing to treating a limit of squirrels with him in, in just a couple months um w- once he got to tree and too many squirrels i stopped squirrel hunting because i cannot stand to go hunting at night with a dog that trees squirrels and it's hard for a lot of cur dogs that if you hunt them during the day and you hunt them at night you're gonna have to put up with it so I quit hunting during the day and I, I rolled him right over to hunt him at night. And man, he just took to it so natural. You know, it, that's what I was saying about I don't want dogs that you have to put a lot of work into. I just want, I want to take them to the woods where there's a lot of coon, unsnap them, they go hunt and get treed. If they'll do that on their own, big mouth, big dog, I mean, they already are, are up on my scale of what I'm looking for. And he just, he just progressed. I mean, that's what really made me made me like him in the beginning. I mean, I didn't love him. I liked him. But, you know, just because he, he was doing it without me having to force him. But if you can't force a dog to hunt. There's some people out there that try. They whoop them and, and carry it on. You know, I'm not doing that. Um, now, with that, he, he was also – pretty trashy there in the beginning. He, he, he was probably one of the harder dogs I had to break off armadillos. Um, but once I got him off of armadillos, he, he really, he really broke himself off of possums. Um, when Hunter, my oldest son, he's graduated graduate of high school now, Hunter, but when he was, I don't know, four, five, six years old, uh, when he would go with me with Crockett, we would, we would tree, we would shoot every, every possum. Uh, Coon, possum, whatever—I uh, would let Hunter shoot it out to him. And uh, once we quit shooting possums and just started shooting coons, he broke himself off of it. Those are the—that—that that was another thing that I liked about him. You didn't have to do a lot of other than the armadillos. I don't know why that dog liked armadillos so bad. He just did. But the more I hunted him, I mean, the more I hunted him, the more he just became like my just uh, chrome was chrome was the she was my my first real just above average excellent day or night dog combo dog do it all but crockett was my coon dog that you know if that makes sense i mean he he didn't treat squirrels at night you know once he got to about three year old i mean he was probably as solid of a a coon dog as as you want to hunt with he, can tree, he, he would tree coons from the truck. He would win coons. Uh, he he would run a track. I mean, he, he just he just made the, the what I look for in a dog: Leave my feet, get treed, any conditions, have a coon. He just made he made it easy. Kind of ruined me, you know, ruined me on on. That's one reason I go through so many. I, I've had good dogs, and I, I know they're out there. I know I, when I when I'm messing with a pup, I can tell pretty quick if they're gonna if they're gonna be what I'm looking for or not. And if they're not, I'm moving them on. And, and Crockett's the reason behind some of that. Um, I know what one can be,
0: and I'm just not gonna settle. I didn't, you know, just not gonna settle for less. Gotcha. Did you say how old he was whenever you whenever he made it to you? Uh, he, he,
1: he was like 11 months and some change. He was not, he might've been a week before he turned,
0: um, a year old when I got him. So he was really, really just about a, right out of year whenever you started. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right
0: a year. Yeah. Like,
1: he, uh, so, so Roger Bennett, um, Roger at the time Crockett, at the time Crockett's litter was born, Roger Bennett owned, um, crockett's mama which was the ridge runner spook dog and uh he also had had bought the um um at the time it was nicholson's tank um <clears throat> which later became kim coat bought him from roger and and he became river road tank but um at the time of the breeding um i think he was still going by the name nicholson's tank but roger made the cross and and he gave crockett to his nephew who back then i mean he hunted a bunch his nephew did i can't think of his name but he he got a job hauling bucking bulls for the rodeo and crockett just sat in the pen for probably eight or nine months and roger went went back over and picked him up brought him home threw him, you know, put him in the starting pen. um Ro- roger don't have kennels per se he he's got He's got a big fenced-in area like somebody's backyard that's got trees in it. And that's all of his dogs live in there, eat together, sleep together. And he put Crockett in there. And, and you know, he, he I ain't going to say he treats some squirrels, but he had barked at squirrels, you know, running to the treetops and all that. And then Chairman um, McQuarrie ended up getting him. And um, like I said, he opened on the ground too much for a squirrel dog. Um, and that's what that's what a lot of folks didn't like about him you know, later on as uh, squirrel hunting got so popular and, and, you know, folks were wanting those little old feisty looking dogs, yappy mouths, and, and that did not open on track because they think that open trailing dogs scare the squirrels or something. So what I liked about him most is what other folks liked about him the
0: least. Gotcha. So what could you go a little deeper into what you actually did when when you started him just hauled him to the woods or take him with other dogs or what was that no, like?
1: I, when i'm starting a dog whether it be a pup or whether it be like crockett you know at at um 10 11 12 months old i, I hunt them all by themselves I, I, there's no need these cars are so smart so intelligent you do not have to take them with other dogs to teach them the tree. That's that. I don't know why people think that. There's so many people. I so many other guys that that have proven that take them by themselves. They pick up things when they pick it up. They learn it better because they've done it by themselves and on their own. So that's what I've done with Crockett. I didn't do nothing different. I took him to the woods. I hunt a lot during the day. I try to hunt four days a week. And i tried to hunt five to six nights a week. So when I started him out, I was driving in. I wasn't living where I'm at now. I was living close to town. So I had to drive 30 minutes. I'd get off work, go home, dinner, homework. I'd grab a dog. I'd grab him. I'd go to the woods and we would hunt. Even if it was just 30, 45 minutes. There's so much game here. I, I would take him to the farm, the private farms that I knew had the most squirrels. And, and I and I I took him at the times that I thought they would be moving. You know, generally here in Mississippi it's in the summertime, it's it's hot. So squirrels are gonna move right at daylight when it's the coolest. They're not gonna move good the rest of the day. So in the heat of the summer I, I would get up and um, I'd hunt him in the mornings. Well let me let me, th- let me let me back up because I think summer was was about by the time he was really getting going good, I think summer was coming. We were coming into fall. Um, and in the fall, squirrels moved really early and then really late. And those, would, I would either get up and hunt him before work, or I'd get off work, grab him, get my chores done, and go to the woods. But the thing is, was, was giving them the opportunity. One day a week, two days a week, it's not going to get it with a dog like that. Um taking them to the woods where you you, if you hunt a mile and and can only tree one squirrel it's extremely hard to do so i knew the places that had the most game and they didn't get hunted of course i I hunt all privately and i don't i hardly ever hunt in public um so there's nobody hunting there but me so everywhere i've got slowly game and and that's what i did i just took him to the woods every day and and I would cut him loose at the truck and just sit and wait on him to get treed. If he didn't get treed, I'd watch him on. If he was hung up on, you know, a, a track, I just would ease into him and move him along. Some folks say, sit back and give that dog time to figure that track out. I don't want a dog thinking it's okay to get hung up and just beat a track to death. That ain't what I'm wanting. Move on. I, I would push him on until he could walk a track that he could treat. I wanted to build his confidence you know he was already a year old i mean i was already behind the curve anyway um so I, I just took him often i mean um and i shot i shot everything you treat um season or no season you know i mean just you want to know the truth about it i just shot everything you treat well, some you folks say, some folks say dogs don't need everything that, that they treat i you know what? Whether they do or whether they don't, I, I Mr. Garner needs everything. I want to shoot. I like to shoot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't go fishing, and, and never try to catch a fish. You know. Uh, so when my dog trees, I, I, I tell folks, and I learned this from from a friend of mine, Terry Snyder. He he told me, just like with with Chrome, and and when when I was starting Crockett. Um, and everybody knows uh, Crockett would not Terry's favorite dog, anyway. But he he still told me, you know, uh, um, the dog's job is to tree the game. Our job is to shoot the game. So that's what I've done. If my, even today, even my older
0: dogs, if they tree it, I'm shooting. I don't, you know. So was he treeing pretty consistent about the time you picked him up, or was there kind of a kind of an in between period there where you were you were taking him, not getting a lot of trees in? I mean, I, I
1: can't remember many times. I mean, maybe early on when the leaves were still on, you know, and because I mean, there's times when when the leaves are falling heavy. Um, I don't know if it's. I, I really don't know if it's true or not, but when the leaves are falling heavy, some say, and, and I've seen it. I, I mean, I, I've seen it. A dog struggles. It seems like they struggle with tracks when the leaves are falling. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe the, the heavy leaf, leaf coverage is covering the tracks, or maybe it's the fresh scent of the, the fresh leaves hitting the ground. I, I don't know what it is. But he seemed, to, he seemed to slow down and struggle some there, you know, mid to late fall. Once the leaves got off the trees, it, it was just like he picked right back up. Um, and and a lot of a lot of dogs, especially male dogs, they have that you know folks call it the terrible twos or whatever they want to call it. But it seems like seventeen, eighteen months to maybe you know twenty five, twenty six months, something like that. They they get to where they just go through that 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 dumb stage. Mark Morrison used to tell me you got to hunt them through the stupid. But Crockett just never. Once he started really consistently treeing and I rolled him over to Coons, he never went through that dumb, stupid stage that I that I remember. Um, It just seems like once he picked it up, he had it, and you know, other than almidilins, I mean, uh, that was really the only thing. I never had any other problems with him, Um, despite what everybody said about him. The dog was not. Eel. I mean, I hunted him with everything out there, and he hunted well with other dogs. He treed with other dogs. Um, like I said, he just took off, and and which was another thing that that really made me. Um, it, it just seemed like every time he turned around, he was doing something to you know impress me, and and you know make me want to keep hunting him. It's easy to go hunting every night if you got a good dog that you like. You uh-huh. know. That's one reason I get rid of dogs. If I don't like them, I'm not going to put my time into them. I'm not going to hunt them. And I just, I I just liked Crockett. I mean, I don't know. I've had some other dogs that were, that were pretty nice, but I just, just didn't like them. And I just, I just liked Crockett. I don't know. He was just a, I mean, he was just a, he had a good personality. He liked to be petted and loved on. And, you know, I mean, he, he, he was just my dog, I guess. Um, he, he, he he is my measuring stick when it comes to what I'm looking for now in the dog, even with a hound. I mean, I I measure, I measure curves, hounds, everything against Crockett at night.
0: Let's jump back to river road tank. You'd, you'd said earlier that you were look the whole reason you ended up with Crockett was you were looking for something out of tank. Uh, what, what can you tell me about tank? I really don't know much about that dog.
1: So tank, um, Daryl Nicholson is where tank come from and uh most everybody knows daryl uh daryl's not a big coon hunter he is a squirrel hunter Uh, he hunts hard he hunts uh always seems to have good dog daryl's a dog man and tank was no exception then daryl was doing a lot of competition hunting and um i i i think i I don't want somebody can correct me if i'm wrong because it's 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 been some years but uh john and tommy mears ended up with with tank if i if i'm telling it right and they they put some wins on him in the comp hunts i don't remember if if they bought him well at best i remember they paid pretty good money for him from daryl and and won some hunts with him but tank was a big built dog he wasn't super tall but he was stocky built big old head on him he had a big mouth Um, he, he was, uh, he had no streak, no jukebox blood, um, just all old busher, uh, some of the old stuff, huntsman stuff, a lot of huntsman blood. Um, I mean, he was just a a beast of a dog. And, and once, once he ended up at Rogers and and initially finally ended up at Tim's, Tim's a coon hunter like I am. Um, and Tim started coon hunting him and uh and i just there's a picture that that i don't remember if uh rick dennis or tim Cope one posted this picture the first time i ever seen a picture of tank that i remember saying well what really drew me to, to to tank was um there's a picture of tank and rick dennis's old dog molly um standing on the tailgate with with some squirrels there and it's snowing and i mean it it, it it is the picture perfect what I think a cur dog is supposed to look like. I mean, they both got big heads, mud flaps, you know, big black brindled dogs, big feet, just big bone. Um, and so I just started looking at him and, and honestly, me and Terry Snyder were hunting a lot together, coon hunting a lot together. And in one of my most favorite coon dogs that I, that I've done didn't belong to me that I got to hunt with a lot and handling hunts was Terry's Nikki dog, a Dixie Creek Nikki. She was just a, she wasn't a very big dog, but she was extremely fast. She, she hated the coon more than any dog I've ever been in the woods with. And like I said, I, I hunted a lot of miles behind her. When we would go to hunts, if I didn't, if Chrome was in heat or I didn't have nothing to hunt, Terry would let me put her in hunts. And we were hunting one night and, and he said, I think Nikki's coming into heat. He said, I think I'm going to breed her to that, to that um, Nicholson's tank dog. He said, if I do, would you ride up there with me? And I said, yeah. So I'd already seen the pictures of him. And I said, hey, God, I like the heck out of that, you know, the way he looks. And if, if he's good enough that Terry is thinking about breeding the to Nicky, I mean, he, he must be a sure enough dog. So that's really when I started looking into him and, and at the time. I, I had Chrome and, and I had uh, another dog I'd got from Terry and I just was having, I was struggling with the dog. and He just, he just wasn't going to be what I was looking for. So that's, that's what got me searching for something off the tank. Now Terry ended up not breeding to the tank. I don't remember why. I don't know if it was because it was um, probably a hour drive there and back maybe why we didn't go up there and, and he ended up breeding her to Briar Mountain Bud or Briar Mountain Bill. I can't remember. I think it was Bill, but um, anyway, that that's what got me looking at the tank dog. And then of course I started, you know, I called Roger and, and I called Tim and the, Tim's always been a good friend of mine. Um, when I first come on to the cur dog scene, um, being as loud and outspoken and, and, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a, cocky dude and you know i don't think tim really cared for me there at first but um i got a habit of growing on people they can't you know even if even folks that don't like me they still like me deep down i just don't say it Uh and, and and tim me and tim just become friends and anyway that that's how i ended up um getting getting up with jeremy McCreary um on crockett as i just Things just kept what I was looking for in a dog. Just kept leading me that way.
0: You said that uh, Tank had a big mouth. Uh, was he was he open and ball mouth, like uh, yes. like Crockett was yes. as well?
1: He wasn't. Well, he was, but not like Crockett. At the time, at the time that I was hunting Crockett, I would say the, the Big Sioux female that me and Tim Cope both owned. Um, She was a big squall ball mouth dog like Crockett tank had a big ball mouth, but it wasn't the long drawn out ball locates like Crockett did, you know, Uh, and and they were quite a few of the Kimmer dogs in Crockett's bottom side was mostly Kimmer. And and a lot of those dogs had the, the, the big locates, the ball mouth. And what a lot, a lot of folks, when they say my dog's got a ball mouth, it, it may have a little bit of a ball, you know, when it first tree, maybe a little locator, or a or a or a really tight triple chop that sounds like a ball, but there wasn't any of them that that had a mouth like Crockett. Um, I mean, he he really had the the true, you know, what the hound folks call it a dying ball locate.
0: Let's hear it. what do you sound like
1: no no i ain't uh-uh. i done <laughs> not too much to do that i i, I uh I, I can tell you uh another friend of mine jackie Brady, uh, uh years ago right before i one of the last squirrel hunts i did with crockett we were in the bottom on the river and he treed in a big old den tree and i was videoing and it was so cold that every time he would open his mouth it, it looked like i mean it just the steam was just blowing out of his mouth um like like a like a smokestack on the eighteen wheeler or a locomotive or something, you know, just blowing that smoke and he he was so loud in that big long drawn out ball that that's where Jackie Brady's actually one from that video that that gave him the nickname the Big Rig uh, from that video just because he just had that long drawn out you know um, ball locate and it didn't matter if it was day or night, um, which again like I mentioned before that that's that's why a lot of folks didn't like the dog. You know, I I got because because of that, um, I got accused of you know putting hound in the dogs and breeding hounds in the curs and um, folks just couldn't understand the concept that a lot of your old stock stuff, your older busher dogs and a lot of your older timber dogs, that's how they sounded before street came along. That's what dogs sounded like. Not all of them. But a lot of them, they were a lot of them were bigger built, uh, bigger blocky heads, bud flaps, and you had a few that you know were because they were just breeding whatever to whatever. Um, but that's what a lot of the dogs sounded like then. Uh huh. And I tried my best to make more. Uh, they just I can't keep up with the squirrel hunters, man. They just they just uh, they they breed so much for squirrel hunting that the coon dogs that's one thing, another thing that made. Crockett so special to me is he was different. He was not what everybody was wanting. He was what nobody. The only people that wanted him were the few um, old busher coon hunters. Oh. Nobody else wanted the poor dog. And I'm glad in his lifetime I, there's no. I couldn't even begin to to say a number on how many coons that dog was treated and how many dogs, how many coons he treated in his life. I mean. I huh anywhere from 150 to 250 a year for, I mean, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years. That's a lot of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he was, a, I mean, some, some nights, uh, uh, a really good friend of mine, Dallas McCullough, when, when da- I first met Dallas, he was probably 12 years old, didn't have a driver's license. And uh, me and him had litter mates. Uh, The the actual, the first cur that I got, we, uh, was in 2008 or Mm nine and we had litter mates. So I would go pick him up and take him hunting with me. And of course, you know, as as he, as he grew into an adult, he, he got into hounds, black and tans, and, and we still hunted together, but we hunted his black and tans. And, and, um, he had a, he had a female black and tan named girl, black girl was her name. And I had Crockett, and about every weekend, uh, me and him were hunting together. But by the time I got Crockett and started hunting, Terry, Terry didn't like Crockett. So we really didn't, we had kind of stopped hunting together by then. So me and Dallas was hunting about every night together. And uh, there were nights that, you know, if, if I was laid up or whatever, my wife, you know, we wanted to go see a movie or I hunt so much. The night she asked me not to hunt, I just don't go. Because it's, it's, you know, it's more important to me to go do stuff with her and, and my kids uh, when they ask me. Um, but that would be nice that Dallas would call and he'd go, hey, look, me and, me and some other guys are going to go out want to tree some coons tonight. Can I go get Crockett out of the kennel? That's how special of a dog he was. The hound, some of the hound guys would come and pick <laughs> him up. And and anybody could come get him out of the kennel and go tree four, or five, or six coons. Uh me and Dallas would go and, and cut dogs loose and his black dog would would tear out of the country and Crockett may roll in there 125-150 yards and tree a layup. We would go in there and knock it out and by the time we were seeing where his dog was at and, and getting the coon picked up, Crockett may be 300 yards tree with another one. We would just we would just throw that coon in the middle of the, the trail, go in there and shoot another one. Throw it in the trail. We'd just go down the tree line. He may tree two or three coons and by that time, Dallas' dog may be in there, you know, three quarters of a mile deep tree with a coon. Not that, not that he was any better. They was just two different style dogs. Um, so I let I let a lot of folks come get him. Just go tree. He would he would go with anybody. He'd open the door if you were going. If he had a dog box and he thought you was going coon hunting, he'd go with you.
0: <clears throat> it sounds like he had a pretty good winded nose. Was he always? Was was that? Would you say that's most uh, the way that he hunted? Or uh, was he pretty tracky, too? What was his nose like?
1: Well, I mean, some, I, he really had—he really could do it all. You've got some that, that are better at, at winning a coon um, and not so good at, at running. They, they'll run a track, but a lot of times it's going to be really hot, you know. And then you have dogs that are really good at cold trailing and not so good at winding. And then you had those middle-of-the-road dogs, and that's where Crockett was. Crockett was in the middle of the road. Early on, he he, he wasn't the best winning dog. He, he would try to win, but he would miss them by a tree, maybe miss him by two trees. But the more I hunted him, the more opportunity he had to learn on his own. He just got better, and and he, he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't the deepest hunting dog, um, and he wasn't. He didn't have the coldest nose of a dog I've ever hunted with, but he he could work a he could work a a, a good track, get it treed, or you could put him in the bed of the truck. He liked to, I, my my toolbox on my old truck um, has a rail around the toolbox on it, and he he liked to get on that toolbox, and and we would just ride. Uh, you know, I hunt, like I said, I hunt a lot of farmland, and we just ride these field edges. And if, if he bled out a big locate, I'd stop the truck, drop the tailgate, he'd get down. In just a few minutes, he'd be treed right there somewhere close. Um, especially if I had a bunch of kids in the truck, and it was summertime, we'd just ride around and pretty much shoot coons out of the truck with him. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, really, really, I mean, it, even though, I mean, you know, some folks want to, I got the cold, I got the dog, he's, he's the best cold trailing dog there ever. Uh, my dog's the best, you know, winding dog that, that you've ever been with. But I, I I like the middle of the road. I want one that can do it all. Um, put him in water, tree a Put him in cutover, he's going to tree a I took him to Dyersburg, Tennessee to a UMCA one night. Um, we got him some cutover. One tree left in this whole freaking cutover. He trees in it has a coon. I mean that that's that's why I say I, I, he's my, he he's my measuring stick still to this day. Um, I, I just you know I just like a dog that can do it all. Sounds like he was the one. Well, if you I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna go coon hunting on a perfect night, every night you go, you're going to go in bad conditions when the wind's blowing and, and, and a dog might not be able to win the coon. They're going to have to be able to work a track if you're going to get one treed. And, and then you're going to go on a night, uh, you know, two nights later, you may go where, uh, the barometric pressure is dropping and, and the scent, uh, is falling and them dogs can just run under a tree and smell a coon like that and, and get it treed and with no track. And and I I wanted, I, you know, Crockett was just that dog that could do it all. Uh, And there's so many people that come to hunt with him. Um, I invite, I have an open invite. My place is always, somebody wants to come coon hunt and kill a lot of coons. All they got to do is text me or call me and say, I'm on my way. And and they can stay here and and we'll go tree coons. Um, and, and I, and I mean, it ain't just me talking. I mean, I, he wasn't, I I didn't put him in too many hunts. um, as he got a little older, um, he did get a little growly. Um, he's only been in one fight, but because he was such a big dog and a big mouth, and there was folks that already didn't like him, when I realized that he got about five or years old, I guess, um, there had been a time or two that you know some male dogs would run up on him and he would stiff leg and maybe a low growl, which. I mean, honestly, if I don't know you and you run up in my face and stiff leg me, I'm probably going to growl, too, or worse, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when I tried to comp hunt him, you know, I realized that when he would tree, an, or, or even if we were just standing there getting ready for a hunt, and a dog would come, you know, bow up on him or stiff-leg at him or want to smell him or whatever, smell his butt or whatever, and he would let that low-end growl, I just quit taking him to hunts because, you know, I didn't want to take a chance on – him jumping on somebody's dog well he never did um and he never jumped on the dog in any of the hunts I put him in I put him in three hunts he won two of them and then I just quit taking him um, so you know and then later on he did he did um he did get into a street fight um and I hated it uh, when he done it and he done it a hundred percent and he he jumped on my buddy Tim Coke's dog one night we had been hunting. Tim had come down and stayed with me a couple nights, and we'd squirrel hunted my old whiskey dog and coon hunted. Um, Tim brought his dog, and we took Crockett. We hunted hunted one night, had a good hunt, man. I mean, didn't have not one trouble out of either dog. The next night, we we cut loose both dogs at the same time, and it was just, man, we were having a good hunt. We'd done treed two or three or four coons, knocking them out. The last tree, I don't know what happened. It was just, Tim said one time before he thought he had heard Crockett growl, but he wasn't really sure. And I don't know, maybe two hours later, I I thought they was in there fighting a coon on the ground. I realized they was fighting each other. And I, and I got in and Crockett had him whooped up real bad. Um, I felt bad about it. I offered to take him to the, to the, you know, emergency vet right then. He was bleeding pretty bad, had some puncture wounds, but, um, Tim ended up, we just doctored him up there at the house and, and, uh, Crockett never, never done it again. And never jumped on another dog, never growled. I mean, I don't know what it was, but uh, that's what got him the bad reputation right there. Well, that really wasn't what got him a bad reputation. It was
0: the folks that didn't like him running their mouth. Mm-hmm. You mentioned trying to make more of him. Uh, how, how did he do as a reproducer? He was not,
1: he, he was, he was crap as a reproducer. I ain't going to lie about it. I mean, uh, I bred him, first time I bred him was to uh, um, Cypress Creek Babe, which was a, she was a heavy beady bred dog, and in hindsight, I, I I probably shouldn't have bred him to one that was, she was pretty tight bred on beady stuff, and and. A lot of the heavy beating bread stuff are they're not really bigger breed. they're not bigger dogs like I like. Um, some of her mates were kind of big. she was not big of a dog but I wanted to see what he would produce. so I kind of talked myself into it. I' not I'm not a big breeder I, I you know um, I'd rather hunt but so anyway I bred him had seven pups and no, there was not one pup in the litter. Well, one pup in the whole litter made something. Um, a a decent squirrel dog it never would tree coons um it had a huge ball mouth but it just wasn't it looked identical to a crockett but about 30 pounds smaller he just just never none of the pups were big um none of them opened on track like he did um and they just they were just duds and so i didn't breed him for a while i just went back to hunting him and then man 10 ended up getting the big Sioux female she was 70 pound big fat wide-headed big long she she was a she looked like a a red brindle plot with a chopped off tail she had a mouth she probably had a mouth better than a lot of plots um here lately some of the plots i've hunted with she she even hunted better than they did and uh when so me and Tim ended up getting her from Matthew Hall, I drove up to Jamestown and got her from, from Matthew Hall. And, um, big Sue was bred; had been bred to tree knock and ammo, which is by far one of the finest cartoon dogs I've hunted with. Um, big Sue is actually the mama to um, Donnie McCurdy's big stomp. that he, I think he won a world championship with him. Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, I bred... Crockett and Big Sue wanting to get big, ball mouth open-trailing coon dogs. And um, I thought she did a false pregnancy. Like, day 63 or – no, it was day 71. Day 71, I went down to clean kennels, and she wouldn't come out of her barrel. And I looked in her barrel to see if she was sick, and she had one yellow pup laying in her with her. still had a tail. I don't even know how long the puppy had been in the barrel. But I, I just grabbed that barrel – took my pocket knife i laid the pup on the ground and scraped my knife again uh, across the concrete and whacked its tail off and put it back in the barrel because i at at the time i wouldn't give you i wouldn't give two dollars for the best yellow coon dog that there was (laughs) i just didn't like i just didn't like a yellow dog i hunted with a bunch i just didn't want to own one and uh, i ended up i ended up giving him to a friend of mine and um Ended up getting him back as a four-year-old, and he made a really nice combo dog. Um, a, a young man, after the tornado hit us, I gave him to a young man um, that's that's still a good he, – he, I took him with Chrome and Crockett. He killed his first squirrel and first coon, coon with my dogs when he was probably 14. Um, now he's a grown man, got his own house. He still has the yellow pup. That one yellow pup is still alive. I think he's, goodness, 10 or 11, something like that maybe um slowed down a lot he still hunts some some but that dog made something so but it didn't make nothing to my house because i didn't like the color the uh the next time she come into heat which she only come in once a year next time big sue come in i bred him again i had four pups i gave tim coat one kyle baker got again she had another uh she had another albino brindle one uh kyle baker got it and then uh, John Mears and uh, Matt Balk got one, and then I kept one. Um, the one I kept was the laziest puppy I'd ever seen. she she, she, would, she would just jump. Um, the one Tim got, I don't think really made much. She ended up giving it to some hog hunters. Matt The one Matt Balk and him got that female got swapped around a little bit and she got bred. she never did make much. Um, ended up dying. The one that Kyle Baker kept, probably one of the finest – Kyle Baker said one of the finest combo dogs that he's ever owned. A matter of fact, Kyle Baker's wife is who the dog belongs to. That's the same Heck, dog? That, that, is, that is sick Sam. Um, they love the dog. So uh, it's just kind of ironic that I bred Crockett and my crone female – um, one more time to see what he would produce, you know, see if he would do anything with Chrome because Chrome was an outstanding reproducer. Um, and I think she had nine or 10 pubs. One of them made okay. Rest of them just, he, Crockett just, he just was not a good reproducer. As good of a dog as he was and as good of a coon dog he was, he just, he just couldn't pass it along except for the two ugliest pups he ever had in his life. The two, two albino brindles, both are huge, big dogs, big ears, big ball mouse, open on track, just tune traders, just like, just like him. Um, and I, you know, I did I don't have anything off of, I, I don't have anything off of the crock. He just, he he wasn't a good enough producer for me to, to ever, I never bred him again after that. I think, I think, uh, a guy, about an hour and a half from me, come down and bred his female to him. She had 15 pups. Um, she was off. She was Briar Mountain Bud and and something else. She had some camera in her and maybe a touch of streak on the bottom. I had 15 pups. I think she raised 11 of them. And one of those made a really nice dog. Big, brindle, blanket back. Nice squirrel dog. The guy don't coon hunt. but the rest of them didn't make nothing. Huh. Uh, and it just happens that way sometimes. I mean, sometimes the best dogs just are crap in the breeding pen, you know. And you got guys out there that got dogs that that uh, they've never hunted, and you know they breed, might have a litter, and have five world champions out of it. Hmm.
0: Where did Crockett end up later in his life? So. I got into a jam with, with, I'm
1: not going to go into, I I had to get my family, where my family was living was in a really bad spot, and some things had went down, and and some police got involved, and some FBI got involved, and I had to leave, I had to break camp, so I was selling everything that wasn't nailed down, including my dogs, I sold all my dogs, and uh, chrome went first, and then whiskey, and I held on the Crockett to the end, my wife was begging me not to sell him, but I needed the money, and uh, so I sold him to a, a guy in North Carolina, and And I told the guy that he just, I said, man, he's not a squirrel dog. I ain't squirrel hunted this dog in probably six or seven years, and um, he said, man, I'm going to coon hunt him, you know. So I sold him to him, and he took him up there and tried to squirrel hunt him and tried to road hunt him. Crockett was not a road hunting dog. He just he just did not. If you he could be treed in there five hundred yards with ten coons in his tree looking at him, and you crank a truck and he was leaving a tree coming to you. He just he just he just was not a. You couldn't road hunt him. You try to road hunt him, he just would stand in front of the truck. So anyway, he he wasn't really happy with him, um, and he sold him to. Another fella in West, West Virginia, I think, and pretty much same thing. He, he bred him one time, didn't have no luck. With, I think all the pups ended up dying, and uh, he just never. When he left my house, he just he just wasn't the same dog. He never hunted, he never hunted for anybody else like he hunted for me. And uh, so Kyle Baker ended up. I tried to buy him back when he was older, and and I just couldn't get him bought. And, and then ended up, Kyle ended up getting him bought, which was fine. I, I was, I was glad Kyle got him and uh, he ended up dying. At Kyle. Now Kyle hunted him after that some. Um he, he was never, like I said, he just was never what he was when he left here. I don't know if, man, I don't know. I hate to kind of sound all mushy and stuff, but I, I don't know if it just broke his heart when I sold him. Uh, I know it broke mine, broke my wife's heart, but, he just he just wasn't the same when he left and he ended up dying up dying at Kyle's. I, I wished I would have had foresight enough to have him drawn maybe. Um I don't know why. He wasn't, you know, wasn't good of a producer, but um I I would just like to have even if I didn't use a scrawl, I'd like to have one laying around. You know? mm-hmm. Uh once he was gone, um Kyle did uh, Kyle's a super good friend of mine. Uh, has been for a long time, and I called. We were just talking one day, and I was like, Man, I was like, You still got Crockett's up papers? He's like, Yeah, I still got all that. I was like, Man, Could I buy them from you? He's like, Heck no. I, I sent him my address, and he gave I got Crockett's papers here at the house. Nice. And uh, the guy that uh, the guy that I sold him to mailed me the you know, all my dogs used to wear them old leather studded collars. Mm-hmm i've got Crockett's and big sues i got both their old leather collars hung up in my shed out back nice yeah a lot of pictures a lot of memories of him um if i could if i could go back and do it again i wouldn't have sold him but you know can't go back yeah
0: that's life yeah Yeah,
1: live and learn I, i i try to do a lot of things different now
0: um well jeremy i sure do uh Sure do appreciate you coming on here and talking about your dog with us,
1: man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you calling and 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 wanting to hear about him. Like I said, I I love the dog, and and they man, there's a lot of folks that come and hunted with him that absolutely loved him, and there was a bunch of folks that never laid eyes on the dog that hated him. You know, I don't know if they I don't know if they hated him or or if they they hated his owner's mouth. <clears throat> One of the two but uh anyway he he was special to me and special to my family and and uh you know even all this time he's been gone he uh they still folks still ask me about him and still talk about him and and um so you know that's just something else that those those special dogs are the ones that stay with you
0: yep well that pretty well wraps up the time we got for this episode Uh, everybody take care and keep wearing out that boot leather I just want to give everyone that's listening a sincere thank you. Getting this podcast going has been a project. I really hope you're enjoying it, and if you don't mind, give the show a good rating and review wherever you're listening to it at, or share it on your social media to help get some traction. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to your feedback.